things that come with uh, living a life pleasing to Thee. And Lord, just pray that You would guide, lead, and direct in the services this morning. Have Your will and way. In Jesus' name and for His sake, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Turn your Bibles to the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians, uh, we have studied through that book quite a bit. Um, I did not know how much I would enjoy uh, that book. We haven't really, I don't think, made it out of, I don't know where we are. But anyway, we're going to do an overview this morning about preaching Christ, preaching Christ. And we're going to start in chapter 4 and probably go backwards some. Um, but in Philippians chapter 4, if, if, you, if you study the Bible, it's supposed to change you. You know, it's supposed to make a difference. And one of the problems in Christianity is that, of course, they're getting away from the Bible. Churches don't preach the Bible. They don't teach the Bible. They don't, um, you know, it's, it's more, let's have a social gathering. Well, our, our social gathering was basically last night. Some of you didn't make it. We really missed you and... and uh, you know, wish we could have had everybody there, uh, but you know, it was it was fun, and it was you know, laughter is the best medicine, they say. So you know, you, you enjoy yourself. Listen, in Christianity, it's not supposed to be a bummer. I don't know about you, but sometimes I've I've wondered is is uh, you know, are we supposed to be miserable? You know, and you're not. Quite the opposite. I mean, we have life. And we have it more abundantly. We're at peace with God. You know, do we have the peace of God? That's through prayer. And, you know, all those things you look at. But, you know, you ought to enjoy life. I mean, listen, we had, uh, we had legal stealing last night. I, I've got to tell you. I've, I've got to tell you, Larry's, Larry threw me for a loop. I, you know, I knew I was stealing the car for the first time, so I wasn't going to get it. But it was just, you know, I really liked the car. I don't know. I've never seen one that big. I wanted to own it for a moment. That's all I wanted. I mean, I, I didn't expect Larry to do what he did. So he, he picked a gift that, you know, he really didn't want. And that, you know, because Gary was making a big deal over it. And he gets the gift. And, and uh, then, you know, uh, he, then Melody got the gift from me. And she gets to keep it now. And, Larry's number one, so he gets to go again. He tells me he has a plan the whole time. He said, you were going to get this. And I, 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 look, I was astounded. He's a deacon. You know, a deacon. They're not supposed to plan that far ahead in these types of events, you know, where you're conniving and manipulating and, you know. And, and man, he had a plan. I was, I was very impressed. I really was. I told him. I high-fived him and everything. Uh, but boy, I, I was glad I, you know... Didn't, not that the gift was so bad, Robert. I just, I, it was just everybody, you know, Gary was making such a big deal of it, you know, rubbing it. I, I didn't get rubbing it up and down the arm. And, and I know, I know, I know your bride was showing hers off quite a bit, you know. That, that was fun. It, listen, it was a lot of fun. I'm, I'm just glad we got to open the doors because uh, it was getting mighty toasty in there. I will know next time to bring the air conditioner over and run that thing, but uh, man, I'm glad. It, Lord, and that was the Lord. I walked outside in the front door, and it was like, wow. It was, you know, it went from humid, just terrible, to cool. 
And then I came back in. I remember Bill saying, no, you can't open those doors. I said, I just walked outside the front door. So I opened those two doors and, you know, it, it changed everything. So thank you for coming. Uh, you know, we had a great time, you know, a little pressure putting it on. Uh, good for me and my bride and got a few things. I don't know if you saw the plaque on the front door. We didn't even remember we had that. And we were going through pictures and found it. And, you know, Judy says, man, we get so much stuff done. We have people over. And I'm like, Yeah. <laughs> You really do. You do a lot of stuff that you wouldn't normally do. We got a couple of pictures hung that we didn't have hung. And, you know, that's been the biggest thing at the house is hanging all those pictures and figuring out what goes where and, you know, shooting the walls so they get straight. I, I should have just invited Melody over because we were over at their place and she had these, what were those things that are hanging down that you had? Hanging pictures. But they had to be just right, and you know, it's like she did a mathematical algebraic equation to get them right. You know, I, I just should have invited her over and said, look, we need this on that wall and that like, and she probably could have just knocked it out. It took me, I had to think. And that, that was, that's getting tougher these days. Philippians chapter 4, but again, thank you for coming. I'll, I'll probably say a few more things during the morning service when, uh, when I can. But Philippians 4, look at, look at what we saw last night. Therefore, verse 1, my brethren, dearly beloved, and long for and my joy and crown. So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Look at, look at how he, uh, you know, we, we men, we look at, oh, we don't want to be mushy. Look at him. Dearly beloved. Joy and crown. Dearly beloved. You know, if we start thinking about each other that way more, we might find out that, you know, we, we like each other. And, and listen, we don't have a problem here. I'm just saying, Think about it. You know, don't, okay to be a little mushy, okay to really care. I appreciate those of you that came up. You asked about, you know, Heather and, and that situation. And, you know, she just, she, she says, she's going to come. I told her, I said, a bunch of people asked about you last night. And she says, well, I'll see them all in January. So she doesn't have any vacation time right now. She's going to come down in January. So, um, Lord willing, that'll all work out. But look at verse 1, though. I mean, just look at it. He says, stand fast. That's another thing there in verse 1 that's so important, is, you know, stand fast. Verse 2 is, be of the same mind. Look at what it says. I beseech Eudeus, and I beseech Syntyche, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. You know, talking about that unity. You know, the only way to have unity is to be on the same page. Uh, we're on the same page here. I, I believe most of you would say, you know, you're a Bible believer, you love the Lord, you, you know, you want to do right, live right, etc. Well, that's the, that's how you have unity. Doesn't mean we compromise our stand or our, or, or beliefs, but we have some unity. We have a reason to be in unity, and it's Jesus Christ. But he starts off with dearly beloved. He starts off with uh, joy and crown. He's starting off saying, listen, I love you. I care about you. Now we can have unity, be of the same mind. And that's what we need. Eight, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. It's also about mindset. You and I, we ought to think on the right things. If you spend all your time in negativity, I've got to tell you, you will be negative. You can't do that. The first thought you have, if it's negative, you ought to reevaluate what you're thinking. You ought to look at it and say, you know what? what is, it, is, it, is it true? Is it 
honest? Is it just? Is it pure, lovely, good report? Uh, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. We need to change our mindsets. I, I'm doing a chaplain's course, and one of the things that, uh, one of the books was Flight Out of Darkness. And uh, I, I read that book, and it's about a, a pilot wrote it, Air Force pilot, and Air Force Academy, and uh, gone through a lot in her life. She's she uh, you know had th- has three children, divorce. She's in Germany alone. You know, I mean, alone in that she doesn't know anybody over there. And uh, she wrote that book. So you know, we're in about the eighth week, and now we're reading that book. We we have another book for the court. And flight out of darkness, and it, you know, she, she likens that, um, that, she talked about even cooking and how much of a struggle it was to decide what to cook. And, and, and it's just, you know, what you're thinking, all, you gotta, your mind and how you get saturated with bad thoughts. You gotta, you gotta change your mindset. If, if you, if you get saturated with negativity, you will be negative. You will affect everybody around you in that way. And, and listen, we all do it. Guilty as charged. But you know what I have to do? I have to be conscious of the fact that I need to change. Remember our verse, our motto this year has been, uh, think on these things. So that verse right there, think on these things. What are you thinking about? What are you dwelling on? Listen, there's a lot to dwell on negatively in the world today. There's a lot to dwell on, on, you know, living through life and being here for a lot of years. You know, health starts slipping a little bit and, you know, you're, you've been married to the same one for a long time. You get to know each other and little things bother you and you snap a little bit and snap back and then there's all this snapping going on. You got to look at it and say, you know what? I got I to gotta change my mindset. I do. Whatsoever, and look at that verse right there. So again, look at that. Look at verse 11. He says in verse 11, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Be content. My goodness, if we could just, if we could just be content and not, uh, not always looking over, you know, over the fence and looking at the green grass on the other side and thinking, man, if I was just over there. You know, if this was just different. Oh, if I could... Man, you are, you're just going to be a miserable person. You know what? I had a comb over for a lot of years. You know what? I finally had to realize, man, I had to be content. What the funniest thing is, since Eddie's here, you know, Eddie's taller than I am. I don't know if you've noticed that, but he is. And, uh, and so he could look down on the top of my head, and he's like this, you know, all the time. Well, now you see. Yeah, you know, whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. He didn't know it until I sat down. <laughs> yeah, that's true too. He sat down one day and I, <laughs> I looked at his head and said, Eddie, you're starting to look like me. And, uh, you know, well, you know. You didn't look like you, you just didn't know it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was for a while, I just didn't know it. I saw him today when I walked in from the side and, you know, I had the goatee for a while. And I, I, I said, man, if you weren't so tall, you could look like my twin. Poor guy. Man, who's preaching this thing? <laughs> Whatsoever state therewith be content. I mean, are you content? Think about that. I mean, look, we're, we're just looking at a couple of verses in chapter 4, and you realize that these verses can change your life. That's why we come to Sunday school. That's why we teach. That's why we have the fellowship to come together. You know, you're not supposed to walk out these doors the same person you were when you walked in. 
Well, I mean, what's this all about? It's about learning and growing and maturing and becoming more Christ-like. He lives in you, and the Bible says, work out your own salvation. What does that mean? That means you got Jesus in you, work it out so other people can see what you've got in you. But listen, what do you got in you? Are you content? Are you, uh, are, are you looking at life and just belly aching all the time? Are you looking at every situation and letting it get to you? Listen, you can't do that. I can't do that because it will affect us. Look at verse 14. Verse 14. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye once and again... um, I'm sorry, even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that it may abound to your account. Wow. He says, listen, you, you took care of me. You cared. You, you asked, listen, you know, you know, the best thing you can do when you go up is ask about how things are going. Now, you got to be ready for an answer. You say, how are you doing? Oh, man. You know, and then they're going to tell you. Do you care to hear? I mean, you, you see Dallas and Nancy here. They're not always able to make it. weren't able to make it last night. And you say, hey, Nancy, how are you doing? How are you doing? Do you care to hear the answer? You know, I mean, I talked to her and she says, man, I didn't get to bed about 1 o'clock. Didn't get a lot of sleep. And listen, I know how that is. That, man, I lose my sleep. Think on these things isn't the best thing that I think on sometimes. You know, I'm, I'm tired, I'm, I'm run down. Listen, care about one another. Ask. Check on one another. Think on these things. Listen, you want to have unity? That's how you have unity. All right, so that's chapter 4. Let's look at chapter 3. Chapter 3, and again, I'm just jumping around. Look at verse 3. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Listen, if you could learn not to have confidence in the flesh, in what your abilities are, what, what, you, what you've been gifted with, have no confidence in that. It doesn't mean you can't be confident, but you've got to be confident in the Lord. You've got to be confident that God is doing what God wills to do through your life, and then you give Him the glory for it, but you can't have confidence in your flesh. Your flesh will let you down. It'll let you down. We're all different people. We all have things that come into our life, and sometimes we wonder why they come. I I don't question it as much anymore. I mean, you know, uh, I, I look at things, and I look at things differently, and I realize, listen, I am who I am today because of what I went through in the past. Would I repeat some of those things? Nope, made mistakes, would fix every one of them. You don't get to do that, but that's what I would do. All of us would. We go back when we were, uh, I started smoking when I was nine years old. Do you think today as a nine-year-old with a 62-year-old brain in there, my brain now and my kid, I wouldn't have ever smoked a cigarette, never would have smoked the first one. But you don't get to do that. So why do I have some breathing issues? Well, because I smoked from when I was nine until I was 18. I got issues from it. Well, why would God allow that to happen? Hey, I'm pretty focused on God. I, I thank God for the breath I get. You see me every now and then. I'm yawning or I'm, I'm, I'm catching my breath. It doesn't mean I'm bored up here. 
By no means. It means I'm having a hard time getting my oxygen in. And I work on it all the time. I just bought a Navaj. How many know what that is? Blow it up one, one nose and it comes out the other and goes in there. And then I look at it and I hold it up to the light. I'm sorry. I just do that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, the thing is, you got to be able to close your throat. I told Judy, I said, come on, honey, use it. She goes, <coughs> you got to be able to shut off your, your throat because all of it's connected. Ear, nose, and throat. You know why they have all that together with a doctor, right? Because they're all connected. Well, it can go, you can... You can get water up there and blow your nose, and, and it goes in your ears, and it causes problem. Basically, yeah, yeah, it, it, yes, it does, yes, it does. I, I didn't want to describe it that well, but yeah, it goes in one side, sucks it out the other. Whatever's in there comes out with a sucking. So yeah, just to tell you plainly, well, listen, I like it because I'm breathing a little bit better because of it. I was hacking this morning. I, you know, I'm, <laughs> I hadn't, I hadn't done it for three or four days, two days. And so I got in there and I use it. So anyway, what's that got to do with, uh, you know, have no confidence? I got no confidence in my flesh. It just, it's not going to clear itself out with a lot, not a little bit of help, I guess. That's probably where I'm going. Who knows? I got there and now I'm getting out. Look at verse 8. Verse 8. He, he says, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung. The loss of all things. Paul, as a Jew, I mean, he was, he, his pedigree was amazing. He, he was, he, the tribe of Benjamin, he, he, he sat at the feet of Gamal. I mean, he knew that law, but guess what? All that learning without Christ, dung. That's just the way it is. You know, somebody asks me, they'll ask me, well, where did you go to seminary? And, you know, I asked the guy on the phone the other day, he says, oh, you know, you went, to, you went to seminary. I said, yeah, but it didn't ruin me. You do realize a lot of times these guys go off to college and they get so smart, they know more than God. Not literally, but you know what I'm saying. They can correct the Bible because now they know the original languages. They have no trust in authority. The, uh, authority. Well, I'm, I'm talking about biblical authority. I go to this Bible, and you know what I say? I say, I may not understand something, but I believe the book. Somebody comes to me and say, hey, here's an error in the Bible. I look at him and go, <laughs> I may not know the answer, but there's no error. The problem is I, the Lord hasn't shown me the answer. And guess what? God's not required to show me the answer. These, if you go to the Bible thinking there's errors in it, you know what God may do? He may just keep your lights off. He may not let you see the truth. I remember when I was here, and I told you this 40 years ago, I had a problem in the book of Acts where it says they heard a voice and they didn't hear the voice in Acts 9 and I think 22 or 26. And I said, I, I, these guys are telling me, well, the Bible's perfect. The Bible's perfect. And I, and I just started coming here. And, and Eddie was there too. And I'm like, hey, these guys, this Mormon that I work for showed me this issue. And he said, and, and I, I'm, I'm like, I don't know the answer, but it looks like it's an error in the Bible. Did they hear the voice or didn't they hear the voice? They heard a voice, but they didn't hear the voice of God. A and the. You know what happened? Now the devil was going to use that to destroy me. He was going to put, he was going to start doubt in my mind. I wasn't going to believe the Bible. I was going to believe what man taught me or showed me or, or the devil put in my mind. I was going to go down that path. And guess what path I went down instead of that? I never, never, never 
I don't even say four months maybe. Never since that time did I ever doubt the Bible again. You know why? Because I was like, I was convinced that was an error. I was convinced that these guys were giving me a line and, you know, and, and it wasn't true. And then what ended up happening, because it was true, God says, now, if you can learn that and, and that which you thought 100% was an error and it wasn't, don't ever doubt it again. I never doubted it again. Never once. And that's just the way it's worked for me. Now, you got to go through your own life, and I can't tell you, you know, that it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen that way with you, but it did with me. Uh, where do we go? Verse 8. Look at verse 10. Verse 10. Chapter 3, verse 10. Let me turn the page. It says, "...that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings be made conformable unto uh, His death, that I may know Him." There, if you go through and you look at about knowing Christ and knowing God, that is the greatest thing is to know God. I don't mean know Him like, uh, well, you know, uh, eternity, past and future and the Godhead. I don't mean all the, the, the academic. I mean personal relationship. I mean you know Him. You know whenever you do things that are displeasing to Him. You know what He wants you to do and what He doesn't want you to do. You know a direction that He wants you to go. I will tell you this, you know, people ask me all the time, well, what, do you, what are we going to do? I don't know. You know, today, I've got a situation that's arisen. And I can tell you this, I, ha- I, I have a plan, but if you ask me, what exactly are you going to do? I, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you as best I can. I don't know. Why? Because I'm still praying about it. I'm still praying about direction. Then I'm going to start going in a direction and the whole direction may change. And then people would look at that and go, well, I thought you said you're going to do this. Do you realize you can't know what you're going to do until you're in the situation? I remember when I was coming down here, they, one of the questions in the long questionnaire, glad it was long, loved it, was who, who would you have in for a revival? I didn't know that the answer was quite well. We didn't have any revivals because of COVID, but God knew. I, I just l- sort of left it blank and, you know, well, who am I going to have in? Well, I don't know who I... Well, who, if they asked me the question, who, if you had the opportunity to have somebody in, who would be your choices for having it? I can answer that. But I can't answer, who are you going to have in? Why? I don't know until time comes and I've prayed about it and God's given me peace and we go in a direction and then we, you know, I talk to the person and I get further peace and then you start, that's how it works. But you can't look at it and go, I need an answer right now and I'm going to hold you to that direction. You can't do that. Not if it's in the spiritual realm. Not if it's something that you've got to pray about and God's got to lead in because otherwise you don't know Him. I don't know him. I don't always know what he wants me to do, but I know this, when I get going in the direction he wants me to go, what you don't do is sit still and do nothing. You start going and then he leads you, he guides you, he directs you. But you got to do something, you got to go in a direction. But I can't tell you with, with all the different ways it can go, which is the one he's going to choose. Hey, I may start going here and I may end up here. I may start going here and end up here too. I'm just, I'm telling you. So what does it say? that I may know Him. 
that I may know Him. That's the first part. And by the way, it's, it's a prayer, I think, of Paul. Um, and, and, you, and you look at it, it, it goes down and it, it, you can go further. I'm not going to do that. But it says that I may know Him, and then what else? The power of His resurrection. I want to know His power. I want to have power in my life. And the only way to do that is draw nigh unto Him and He'll draw nigh unto you. The way that you get the power of God in your life is to know Him, live for Him, and let Him guide and lead every thought and every direction and every, every, everywhere you go, everything you do. You let Him. The more you let Him lead you, the more you will know Him. The more you know Him, the more you'll know He's leading you. And, and that's just the way it works. People will ask you, what's the will of God? <laughs> what's God want me to do? That's a hard question. You can't, I mean, I, somebody yesterday, I, I'm, I'm involved in a, in, a, you know, in a Christmas party next Saturday, and you know, we got 110 people coming, and I got a proposed agenda, and they said, you know, what are you going to do about this? What's this? What's this? What's this? And I just, I'm, I'm, I lead it the same way I would lead in the church. I don't know. I don't know, just give me some ideas and then, you know, and, and listen, I'm going to have an agenda and the agenda is going to be pretty fixed. But to ask me today, one week early, when I have other things I'm dealing with, I don't know what my agenda is going to be. By the way, holiday pops, I encourage you, if I get the same offer next year to come, you need to be there, right, Fullers? Man, I, I'm going to tell you what, we had, we had, you know, Christian music. Jesus Christ, they, 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 they had, um, the president uh, had his conductor, who's a new conductor, introduce uh, this other individual that's up in Nashville writing songs and, and composing for Christian artists. And they did, his, they did his work. They brought a young lady in from, uh, from New York who they knew. And now, of course, she did sing Lost. I mean, not Lost. Uh, Frozen. <laughs> Lost is the other movie. Uh, let it go, let it go. And man, I put it on Facebook if you want to watch it. Really, really good. The song she did before that was a great Christian song. And I mean, I- I'm sitting there in awe because one of the ladies that, was, that I invited um, said she had gone to the president when, when I had him in to speak. And she said, there, there wasn't any Christian music last time, last year. And I got to tell you, it was, it was what, at least 50%. Man, it was moving. So I'll make the offer out there, and I will suggest you go. And then going to the president's reception was really nice. Um, I, got, you know, I get to see a lot of people that I know. Um, who was it, the tax collector, Ben Anderson? So I just like to do this. So I was talking to Ben Anderson, and, and Anita comes up, and I'm just standing there. I said, oh, yeah, this is Ben Anderson. I just watched her face start going, yeah, Ben Anderson, that name, that name. What? Oh, yeah, you're the tax collector. And he says, well, I don't wear my name tag at Christmas time because I don't want to come into a party and go, I'm Ben Anderson, the tax collector. I said, oh, you'd be like Matthew. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, let me move on. Look at uh, verse 10. Verse 10 we did. Verse uh, 17. Verse 17. Look what it says. Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk as, uh, so as ye have us for an ensample. For many walk, of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. 
Boy, they're enemies of the cross. Uh, it, it, it's just amazing uh, whose God is their belly. Now, I, I don't know about you, but a lot of Baptists sort of suffer from that every fellowship we have. Not really our God is their belly, but uh, we do a good job filling it up, that's for sure. Hey, but look at what he says there. Mark them who are an example for you to follow. In other words, this is good. They're an example for you to follow. It's a good thing. So you look at somebody and you say, you know what? I want, I want to do what they do. I want to live how they live. I want to be happy and joyful and content. Listen, there aren't a lot of examples and even examples out there anymore uh, because people are getting weary and well-doing. They're getting tired of uh, 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 plodding on. Well, you know, they said Jesus was coming back in the 1980s, and when I and I heard, you know, I read Late Great Planet Earth, and I read this book, and I read that book, and he hadn't come back yet. And you guys still keep talking about it. And guess what? We're going to keep talking about it. Do you know that sooner or later I'm going to be right? I mean, I always am now, but I just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. Sooner or later, I'm going to be right about that. You're going to be right about that. And you know what? You know what day it'll be? And I preached on this. You know what day it's going to be? The day that you quit. If you're not careful, you start getting weary and well doing and going, well, yeah, I'm going to let my guard down. No, you better not. I'm just going to, I, I'm just going to eat, drink, and, and be merry because he hadn't come back. And listen, you, you need to. What's the Bible saying? Hebrews, get together, you know, gather together so much the more as you see the day approaching. Listen, do you see the day approaching? I see the day approaching, but I didn't know we'd be here this long. I did not know that I would reach my 60s. I did not know I'd reach my 50s. I wasn't even sure about the 40s. I wasn't even sure about graduating Bible college. I was in Bible college and um, remember the missionary in the Philippines, he went to Mexico? Joins. He ended up turning on a light switch and blew up in, in, in Mexico. You, you never know. There were, there were some religions over there that didn't want that mission work there. You never know whether they would have opened up a gas line. He flipped the switch. It, you know, the uh, spark blows the whole thing up. But he was over in the Philippines. And I was in, I was in uh, Bible college, uh, let's see, 84 to 88, well, in 87, I wanted to quit and go to the Philippines because he'd come in the church. I'm like, man, I want to go to the Philippines. And I still wanted to. I ended up there a couple of times. And man, I love preaching in the Philippines. Those people will preach you to death and they will run you ragged from one end to the other. Well, I wanted to quit and go. Why? I didn't want to be in Bible college when Jesus comes back. That's 1987. That's what I was thinking. I do not want to be in Bible college when Jesus comes back wise man, preacher, came up to me and he said, has God put on your heart to go to Bible college? Yes. Have you finished your course? No. What do you need to do then? I said, stay in Bible college and finish. That's it. That's as simple as the answer was. You know what he was? He was somebody that I could mark that was wise and could tell me the right thing to do. And I did and I stayed in. And guess what? It was the right move. But you don't know until afterwards. And by the way, if Jesus came back when I was in Bible college, that's where He wanted me. And guess what? He didn't. 
So I say it all the time. I'll say it again. You need to live as though He's coming back today and plan as though you're going to grow old and die. That's how we need to live. If you get to the point where you start saying, well, you know, uh, like some of these people, you know, oh, the end's coming, you know, in a month, two months. They got these daters. They set the date. Man, they go take their credit cards and run them all up. We'll leave it for somebody else. Well, guess what? Who paid for it? You did. But there are people that have done that out of bad examples. Listen, you don't need to do that. Well, that's we've gone through chapter 4, chapter 3, and I am not going to go into chapter 2. I will save that for tonight. Uh, looking forward to having Eddie come up here uh, for the Sunday morning service. As I said, I've got to go ahead and handle some other things. Um, but we need to be in prayer for the service this morning. And let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for your many blessings. Thank you for sending your Son to die on the cross. Thank you for all that you do for us. Lord, we need to hear from Thee as uh, the service continues this morning. Guide, lead, and direct. In Jesus' name and for His sake, amen. All right, you can be dismissed. We'll start again in about 18 minutes.